0: Greetings, dear listeners. We recorded a live episode this week in cooperation with the Aspen Institute's Center for Philosophy and Society. The topic was The Crisis of Men, and the two discussants were our own Christine Emba and Becca Rothfeld, who is the Washington Post's nonfiction book critic. Before we get started, a reminder to head on over to wisdomofcrowds.live and consider becoming a paying subscriber if you're not one yet. And to get informed the next time we do one of these live events, Put in your email at www.aspeninstitute.org/programs/philosophy-and-society, and don't forget to give us a like and review on your favorite podcast app. With all that out of the way, on to the show. It's really a pleasure to be up here tonight um, because these are two of my friends as well as really brilliant colleagues. Uh, As Sam said, uh, their two essays um, really are worth reading. If you haven't read them, you should. Christine, uh, you wrote a lengthy opinions essay titled Men Are Lost, Here's a Map Out of the Wilderness. Um, And Becca, you pulled off a, I dare say, virtuoso demolition of Josh Hawley's book. not Um, hard. It demolishes (laughs) itself. Uh, titled, So When You're Googling How to Be a Man, Josh Hawley Has the Incoherent Answers. So again, if you haven't read them, uh, I, I uh, warmly encourage you to uh, to give them a read. They're well worth your time. Um, so, I mean, to kick us off and maybe just orient us a little bit. First question, are you guys sure that there is a crisis of men? I mean, one of the things that that struck me rereading both of your essays is that you both point out that we collectively, uh, as Americans, um, have been fretting about this question for the better part of 150 years. Uh, you know, I mean, I think Becca, you might have referenced something in the in the 19th century. Uh, Christine, I, I'm going to quote something that you brought up. Arthur Schlesinger in 1958 saying, "Quote: The way by which American men affirm their masculinity are uncertain and obscure. There are multiplying signs, indeed, that something has gone badly wrong with the American male's conception of himself." So is this crisis real? Um, Is it new? Uh, Is it somehow different this time? Or is this just something that we Americans do? Christine, you go first.
1: Yeah, so I, I can start this off. I mean, I think that the idea of the crisis of men, is there something wrong with our men? is a constant problem. I mean, I think it's almost as old as the like kids these days, they're bad. Why is that question? It may be like the second oldest question. Um, and yeah, as I said in the piece, and as Becca said in her piece, we have been asking this question at a rate of like, seriously and in the public eye, probably once every 25 years or so for the last 200 years. Um, but I think in this current moment, there is actual hard evidence, to just that there is something specific going on with American men that perhaps we should actually be worried about. And it's reflected in the data and the statistics so you know there's the idea of deaths of despair the term that was coined by case and deaton uh they won a nobel prize for it it describes excess deaths due to well sadness basically so suicides deaths from alcoholism and alcohol related conditions um, drug overdoses three out of four of those excess deaths are men not women if you talk about how men are doing in the educational realm Um, There was a wave of college dropouts um, and a lowering of the number of people entering college that began prior to COVID-19, but increased during the pandemic. Post-pandemic, if you look at the figures, you find that around 70% of those who dropped out of school, many of whom did not come back, are men. Um, If you look at our economic indicators, uh, employment, especially excess unemployment, people who should be employed, who are in the prime working age, but are are missing, um, a high percentage of those are young men, and specifically men between the ages of 25 and 34, which ostensibly is like the real prime age for working. Something is causing these men who should be out in the economy, out in the world, to retreat, basically. They're just at home doing who knows what. Apparently, just being sad. Um, <laughs> men also report really high rates of loneliness. You have the deaths of despair thing, et cetera. Um, this data is different from what existed 10 or even 20 years ago, so it does seem that there is something uniquely and problematically off in this moment that we should pay attention to.
2: I'm agnostic, I guess, about whether men are in crisis. I think that commentators have often, if not always, thought that they are. I'm not sure what men themselves think um men doing badly maybe doesn't mean that they're confused about what masculinity is and that's what masculinity in crisis seems to mean so it's unclear how men would conceive of their crisis or if it's evenly distributed too like there might be some men who are not in crisis other men who are in crisis maybe none of them are in crisis because they're confused about masculinity they might just be in crisis because like stuff is bad um so
1: I don't know if men are in crisis, I think. Things, things are bad. <laughs> I would say that the vibes are off as a general uh, rule. Things are gender neutrally um, bad. So
2: I wonder bad, if maybe the men everyone. in crisis are just in crisis the same way the women are in crisis. I'm not sure is what I would say. Well,
0: so, so, I mean, this gets at something that um, <clears throat> I think I even saw it on social media ahead of this. But it, it was remarked upon. Uh, more broadly, as a lot of these essays are coming out. You guys, I think, wrote two of the most prominent ones recently, um, but it's this question of, uh, you know, we have two women discussing the crisis of men here on stage. So again, you know, is it is it so much, and this is, I guess, uh, Becca, you said, uh, you know, whether men feel that way. Let me let me essentialize a little bit, and, and maybe here's a theory. Um, I've always thought that like men in general are we're basically pleasers uh, when it comes to sex. Um, you give us the hoops Not to been jump. Not my through.
2: experience. <laughs> no,
0: uh, well, so maybe 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 this is the maybe this is the crisis that we're talking about. But is this it's basically, for the Q and A?
2: But the the question. All love to my husband in the audience. Be a pleaser.
0: No, but the, the the pleaser aspect. What I what I meant to say there is 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 you give us hoops to jump through. We'll jump through them, right? In order to get laid, because that's generally how it's worked for a long time. And 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 that's sort of like the the essence of socializing men, also, right? And it's the role that that women have played throughout history in socializing men. You give us the hoops, we jump through them, and we we behave better, right? Um, so could it be put it, both of you that like. For modern women having achieved all that, that feminism has you know provided, uh, are you finding yourselves unable to maybe communicate those hoops as well? Um, and in the sense that that that, that, like, that that's leading to the unhappiness, and your sort of observation that like you know, the vibes are off, Christine. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: I don't think so because I think that the men that I'm interacting with generally seem to be able to live up to my standards. The men who seem most apt to be in crisis, like the deaths of despair type men, seem to be a different demographic of men. I've had no trouble finding men. I mean, I don't don't know exactly what the hoops are, but men who are smart seem to think that I'm their intellectual equal, want to read Kant and talk about it with me. There's enough of those out there. I I haven't found a great shortage. Um, So it might be that a crisis is something else not hoops set by women but i don't know socioeconomic material it seems to me those are more probable explanations for the men who seem like most apt to be in a real crisis opioid epidemic type crisis
1: yeah i mean i think one thing that i that we didn't get to in the last question is the fact that this crisis of men um is stratified by class by race by any number of factors so i think that when the When the pundit class, which I kind of include myself in here, talks about the crisis of men, often what they're talking about is like white working class men, like they're struggling, what's wrong with them? Or in a a second group, you know, black men, like what's going on with them? And even when it comes to sort of the the hyper-educated class of men, that might manifest less as like, I don't have a job, and more like I've gotten a little bit too into weightlifting, and I read Bronze Age Pervert as a sort of (laughs) intellectualization of my like weird trying to figure myself out inferiority complex so it looks different in different spaces um that said I feel like this (laughs) the hoops question is maybe that's two questions actually so so one in you know I interviewed a lot of men for this essay that I wrote um and one of the things that they said kind of consistently was that they just they didn't know who they were supposed to be, like what they were supposed to act like in this moment Um, and they really kind of desperately wanted someone to tell them that, so especially young men and they wouldn't necessarily say that they wanted women to, but they wanted somebody to like explain to them what manhood really was and how to achieve it. Often they were looking for you know, like a father figure to do that, but yeah definitely in some cases it was like well, after Me Too, like, I thought I was supposed to ask women out, but, like, now Me Too has happened, and I don't know if I'm supposed to talk to women in the wild. Like, what am I supposed to do, women? You say you want feminist men, but then you only date the bad boys. Like, what do you want from me? So I don't think that women have to be made responsible for, like, or it seems unfair, I should say, yeah. that women are made responsible for sort of holding up the hoops and also gently explaining to every man how to jump through them to be a perfect man. At the same time, I do do think that a lot of men feel unclear as to, I don't know, to extend this hoop metaphor, like what the hoops are, how high they are, like who's holding them, where they're supposed to be. And maybe women have some role to play in that socialization.
0: I mean, Becca, I prompt you on this because, you know, I I did sort of preface it in the in the question. It was sort of, I was essentializing a little bit. And I think like that, you know, reading your essay and sort of reading other things you've written, um, that gets at, at, at. What you don't like about about a lot of this is that um, the push and pull of this gets us into some kind of uh, questions of essentialism and gender and. You don't like that so much.
2: Yes. My problem with men is the same as my problem with women, which is just that I don't think that either is a particularly useful category. Hmm. I think there's lots of other different roles and norms that we can appeal to that haven't had such a destructive history uh, and that don't force people to adopt roles to which they're ill-suited. Uh, so I don't really understand why men need masculine role models in particular. There's lots of men who are succeeding at various enterprises who could just be role models of, you know, you want to be a good author, like look at all the authors out there and emulate them. I don't really understand. I mean, if I, I don't really even know what that means, like how to be a woman is not a question that I really understand.
0: But that, that's, you know, is there is there a crisis of um, and I think you brought this up also at one point that I mean, a lot of this question is about sort of. Heterosexual relationships. So, is there a crisis of the heterosexual relationship? And you know, I mean, to push you specifically on that, Becca. I mean, like, if you don't, aren't aren't roles a little bit? I don't know if they're they're necessary for it, but but there is role playing in a heterosexual relationship, isn't there?
2: yeah but I don't know that it has to be gendered role playing like in my marriage I play the role of a Rawlsian liberal and my husband plays the role of a McIntyrean communitarian and Hot. those seem like sufficient roles to get Hot. us going have a conversation whatever um, I, don't, I don't really know what gender roles could add to that
0: oh, okay but like that, that doesn't tell us anything about like child raising I mean I think that, that tells us something about your relationship but like uh...
2: I, yeah I don't know I think that he's the communitarian he will do most of that
0: yeah okay all right
2: But, I I mean, really, I actually don't understand, like, why... I understand why physical facts about the sexes would determine certain facts about child raising, but I don't know what gender roles would contribute to understanding how child raising could be. Because I think that you could just like do what works for you. Like if one person is more naturally caring in my relationship, that's certainly not me. I'm I'm aggressive, (laughs) then like, you know, that person should do the preponderance of the caretaking or whatever. I think that you should just do the role to which you're suited. Obviously Hmm. the division of labor is good, but I don't see why it should be along gendered lines. So that's my problem with men and women.
0: Christine, I, I don't know. I, 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 I tell me. How, how much do you agree or disagree with that? Like that kind of formulation. How, how malleable is all of this? And is is any of this misery that you're both detecting tied to it? Uh, to to this this kind of role stuff?
1: Man, I. <sighs> Wow, I, hard, to follow, hard to follow up that inner look into Becca's marriage. Um, <laughs> Happy to field questions about that after. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you that when it comes to the division of labor, that yes, there, people should do kind of what is a natural fit if somebody is better with children or feels that they're better with children or wants to do that more. I don't know, if someone likes cooking more or something, like they should feel free to do that. I think more broadly... They're, I kind of disagree with the idea that they're like, well, like roles aren't useful or like this sort of idea of a norm is not useful at all. Um, I think that in individual circumstances, that may make sense. But as a more general proposition, I think that even if gender is socially constructed, which I actually don't think that it completely is, and I'm sure you'll have a follow-up question, we can get to that. Um, people do use norms and roles to structure their lives if they are, especially when they're younger, as many of the young men I spoke to were, um, are sort of uncertain of, yes, what models to follow, what traits that are perhaps somewhat inherent to their biology or, yes, socially constructed, but in a way that has already affected their psychology, the role that they already play. What those roles look like and how to be good in those roles, how to have virtue specific to the place and person they appear to be, having a kind of general and broad concept of like, oh, this is what we generally define as a masculine norm. Here are like useful ways to fulfill that can be helpful. Um, I don't know. That was, that seems a bit muddled, but do you you get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get it. For sure. Go on. (laughs) it begins. Um,
2: So I do think that roles and norms are super useful. I just don't think that they have to be gendered in particular. And I think that like the history of gender roles and all the strife that they've occasioned is a reason to abandon these roles in particular. So as I said, I think that there's more specific roles that are actually easier to understand. Like I think the ideal of like woman or man is very ill formed and is actually really hard to understand as an action guiding kind of template. Whereas like writer, you know, look up like Faulkner's writing habits. He wore a suit every day. even though he wrote in his house like you can do that couldn't be me couldn't yeah couldn't be me either um but like to be a woman or a man it just seems like that's such a vague thing that it's actually not helpful for figuring out like what we should do or how we should behave and i do think that roles are responsible for the misery i think that people feeling like they can't live up to the roles because they don't understand what the roles are has always been a part of like the gendered experience and lots of feminists have written about this that gender is impossible to conformed to by design that people are all always feel like they're doing an imperfect performance of gender So I I wonder if there's just better roles that would serve us better.
0: So so let me let me just push you on that though how how, you know obviously, you know the the feminist project has tackled this uh, of redefining these roles and um, You know, I guess that's what progress looks like is 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 those things moving Um, I, I I at the same time, insofar as there is a crisis, and I, I take your point, Becca, that there might not be, um, there's there's clearly some friction in redefining these roles. I mean, would you agree to that?
2: Yeah, definitely. But I think a lot of the friction comes from people feeling like there is a role that I don't understand, or there is a role that I can't satisfy. Like Susan Faludi in the book *Backlash* about men, she interviews a lot of men, and a lot of men say this: like they feel that to be masculine is to be in control, but they can't be in control because of like socioeconomic factors and other factors. So the problem, though, is, like, I think just change the role. Like, why should they feel like they have to be in control? I would yeah. think. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But I mean, how do I put it, though? It's it's it's. And maybe, Christine, this is one for you, then. Is there something about <clears throat> these templates uh, that that are still somehow, you know, there, there's a very uh, philosophical feminist, uh, you know, approach that 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 is giving voice to here? Um, but then there's a sort of sort of the more sociological one, that these things are are nevertheless somehow necessary for the functioning of a broader society. This that takes the moral question out of it, Becca. You know, like whether they're good or bad, progressive or regressive, but that they're necessary in some sort of way. I mean, is that what we're looking at, Christine? That like the fact that 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 Becca's project of progressive project of redefining a lot of this stuff is leaving this kind of vacuum that um is just disorienting and and difficult for society to to like make do with is that sort of what's going on
1: that is what it feels like to me i mean i think that the not just the not necessarily just the progressive project but the the modern project over the past several decades has been one of uh, yes getting rid of sort of hierarchical norms norms that we find oppressive repressive um, and sort of clearing the field for something new to be born but I mean, as I say in, in my book, you know, the problem with a wide open field is that suddenly people begin to feel like a little bit lost and exposed and they're not sure in what direction to go. And I think, you know, when you think about, oh, or maybe we should just have a broader norm that's about like being a good person. If you tell someone, well, just like be a good person, that tells them nothing. Like that, that's kind of a contentless uh, ask, a contentless norm. And I think what you say, Becca, about like, oh, well, maybe you need to, maybe you want to be a good writer, maybe you want to be a good parent or something like that, speaks to the the specificity um, that people are looking for in kind of norm recommendations or social ideals. But then to go back to gender, um, you know, I think probably a, a five-year-old doesn't necessarily know that they want to be like Faulkner yet. Um, but perhaps they are in a body with like a particular like biological bent that suggests that like maybe they're male and they are stronger at that point than their female peers on the playground so what does it mean to be a good person in that context which is both social yes it's constructed by the people around you it's constructed by your parents your teachers who tell you to be like a good little boy or whatever but it is also what it means to be good inherently in the form that you possess as the person that you are. And I think that's a specificity that people are looking for. I mean, I I appreciate the idea that, you know, many of these old norms were oppressive, hierarchical, et cetera, et cetera. But I think there's a way to critique and update those norms, perhaps even coming up with a a sort of transitional um, gender norm on the way to something that's much more open than there was before without getting rid of them altogether together because I also don't really think that just getting rid of them altogether together is possible as a social project like yeah. it sounds appealing yeah, but
0: I mean and just to, to add one other point Becca to sharpen it and that's and that's uh part of the anxiety I think uh and I, it's it's you know it's the actual point of your essay Becca is that the those that that vacuum is being filled by the Josh Hawleys the Bronze Age perverts the the uh uh Jordan Peterson's of the world uh and you know not to lump all of them into the exact same sort of phenomenon but but is is it maybe even what is troubling to uh left-leaning women in per, in particular that the vacuum is being filled by these kinds of retrograde ideas and isn't the problem there that that still points to the vacuum doesn't it
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's two questions, a practical question and a normative question. So the practical question would be like, what should we do now, given what exists? The normative question would be, a philosopher would say, what is the regulative ideal? What is it that we should aspire to? So I think you have to answer the normative question before you can answer the practical question, because if the end goal is the abolition of gender, what you do in the interim is going to be different than if the end goal is just reimagining gender in a better um, or more amenable way. And so, like, I guess what I'm looking for is just a justification, not of normative, in general or even like very specific norms but if the gender division of labor in particular when it's obvious that that suits so many people poorly and what you say about knowing how to, to like, navigate having a particular kind of body that makes sense to me but I don't think that that fills in that much about how you should live your life I mean it's like okay so you should get like a mammogram sometimes or like you're stronger so don't beat people up but i don't i don't know that that gives you like the kind of all-encompassing information about a role that people who think there's a crisis of masculinity that's resolved by having masculine role models like seem to want and like i always wonder about that when people appeal to like a biological thing because it just seems to me like it's not that informative you know being like okay i have a uterus or whatever so I can get uterine cancer. Like what, what further roles like come from that?
1: I mean, getting a mammogram is actually a kind of conflicted norm at this point, depending on how old you are, but I guess we can save that for the Q&A too.
0: But, Um, but, but but Becca, you didn't, you you didn't answer the question of the, of the vacuum being filled. And, and I take your point. Fine. You have to have ideals, but, but again, your essay is an attack uh, on uh, a group of people who are trying to fill that norm in that you would argue, I guess, is against the, uh, the, nor- the, 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 the sort of positive idealistic framework um, that, that you prefer, right? Um, and your answer is no, and look at the framework.
2: Well, the answer, and that, the answer and that, is it's sort of your moral responsibility. Like, I think partially if you tend to go in for Andrew Tate or Jordan Peterson, I think that that reflects your prior norms and commitments, not necessarily that there's a vacuum in such that any person would gravitate towards Andrew Tate. To me, that's evidence that people have a lot of pre-existing misogyny, which is something I already believed. Uh, not that there's like a vacuum that people are like earnestly in good faith trying to fill, because I think if that were the case, there's better ways that they could try to fill it. But I also think it's a response to just say this is a bad norm this norm is making you unhappy you should try to fill this vacuum in your life by trying to be really good at pickleball as what, what whatever her name is proposed or like you know read Kant, like have a project <laughs> have a hobby
0: I mean so so uh, that that does sort of get us at you know what's the what's the path forward a little bit here uh, Christine. I mean a good chunk of your essay towards the end is 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 devoted to thinking through what's possible and then i'll I'll turn to you becca as well on that like you know i mean given what you said i think there's much to explore there but christine why don't you just sort of recap that part of your essay about um you know what's the path forward from your perspective on this
1: indeed much to explore um so actually I'm, i'm going to come back to your question uh I wanted to think aloud a little bit about this question of biology and how it's not necessarily that relevant in in this particular moment. I think the so I was trying to read through some of Judith Butler's Gender Trouble um, in it's preparation rough. for this. It's it is rough, rough. stuff. I would not recommend. Um, but it talks about how all of gender is a performance; that gender is in fact not real and is you know constructed really by. Our act we are always constructing it and reconstructing it ourselves Um, but I would actually push back and say that in some ways biology is the basis of that construction um, in that the sort of work of childbirth uh, and child rearing and like particular care or labor unavailability that that has occasioned in the past many centuries uh, is in many ways like part of the deep basis of some of the gender norms and roles that we have now have they been horribly misused and deconstructed by people who would use them for hierarchical uh, or oppressive ends yes but i do think that that's actually where a lot of our social constructions draw from in their very deepest sense it's only in the past you know like 50 to 100 years less probably that we've kind of successfully and really only quasi successfully separated out childbirth, child-rearing, lactation, and even like the special nutritional needs that you might need during that period from being the responsibility of women and making up a significant part of women's lives. And to the extent that that is still the case for many women, that generally more women than men get pregnant and have to deal with pregnancy and whatever changes come after that, that informs kind of our social constructions of how you should treat women, like what are some differences that might be made up or not made up. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that it can be misused, but I think there is a way that biology is intimately tied up with um, society, our social constructs. A society is built on people, right? Like you don't, we aren't just living in a society as like non-embodied beings. Like there is something underlying all that. And on
0: relationships also. I mean, more than people, more than individuals. It's not, I mean, this is the other question. Is this about individuals and self-actuation and relationships as well go on well
2: i just want to respond to the physical stuff first so i mean i definitely think that being embodied is like super important totally uh but i wonder if like the gendered aspects of being embodied are the most important for everybody i mean i think that like i have hypothyroidism and pernicious anemia which means that my stomach like can't absorb vitamin b so i have to get vitamin b injections That's been like by far the most salient part of my experience of embodiment for the past year because I didn't know what was going on and I was like really tired and like fainting and I was like, yeah, so that was like more important to me than having a gendered or a sexed biology. So I think that maybe it's really important to some people that their biology is sexed, but there's other salient physical facts that might be more important physical facts. Uh, That's one thing. The other thing is like I think that giving birth is totally important but I'm not sure what further social roles should follow from that especially in like a modern economy. So like yeah maybe for a year at most you have you got to be doing breastfeeding if you want to do breastfeeding or maybe for like 9 months in the first year but I guess I wa- I'm always curious to hear like what in particular down the line should change about your social roles on the basis of your ability to give birth. That's totally an important ability but like I just don't see how like a whole social role needs be or should be founded on that capacity
0: i mean but we are now talking about women which is interesting like the last several back and forths have been about like women's roles and not so much about men's roles yeah for me this
2: question is just about gender so like yeah no it's
0: true it's true but but i get that gets me back to that question about i feel like you know at least your ideal becca is one of of uh the individual like reaching some kind of uh ideal capacity to self realize right uh but there is more to not just life but to society than than a bunch of of individuals reaching their full capacity
2: but why does it have to be individuals i mean i guess what i'm advocating is that like we as a society should move beyond gender roles that aren't serving individuals but i also don't think are serving society at a social level no but
0: in the mi- the middle ground is the is the is the relationship question which is which is the fabric of society right it's 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 I guess that's that's what I'm I'm getting at is is I you know what is society I mean that's like a one of those annoying <laughs> it's one of those annoying questions but but I think we can put our finger on more closely to the web of relationships and 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 sexual relationships being maybe the fundamental sort of binding thing that that keeps human beings together so right,
1: so one of the things that I was caught by in like a previous question answer of yours Becca was the statement that you know our end goal is the abolition of gender. Um, as just sort of a project, oh my, not yeah. everyone. <laughs> and I think that's that's part of the conflict here. Um, I I think that's a very specific goal. I I don't think that that is actually the goal of the majority of people. In oh, fact, I agree. and <laughs> I think in some ways the the individuation of almost your answer to this biological question kind of encapsulates for me sort of a, a larger issue that I have with. I think a certain progressive pushback to the idea of ideals or the idea that there are norms um, which i i tend to disagree with i mean there's one reason why people do this and this i think relates to this question of gender is there such a thing as masculinity should there be gender norms what is a good norm for men there's this idea that if there is a norm for masculinity then yes, people will always fail to achieve it. They'll feel bad. That norm will be used to oppress or hurt people who don't fit within the norm, be it women or non-conforming men. And that's a bad thing. And I'm very empathetic to that. And so I totally agree with you that gender norms, that the idea of masculinity, the goal should be to, yes, to to correct it, to make it better, to try and make it non-oppressive, non-hierarchical, so that it does not leave so many men and women out in the cold. The second pushback to the idea of ideals that I find kind of less sympathetic is one that tends to come from and I include myself in this, a sort of a well-educated elite if not monetarily, but somewhat privileged class of people who say, you know, well, I'm an individual and I had the time to self-individuate and define myself as a person, as a woman, as a man. I had these resources. I had Kant and someone to explain it to me. I had all of these things. And it's great. It's awesome for me. I made myself into this person. Why don't you go do the same thing? And I I don't think that that's a position that actually most most people in our society, in a broader society, necessarily find helpful. You know, in these like this swath of interviews with young men that i did many of them were not saying well i just like want to be a good person they were literally begging for someone to tell them what it meant to be a man because to learn how to do that to learn how to be a good person necessitated resources necessitated time necessitated this this ability to seek out the individual that many of them didn't have and to say, well, like I had that, you should just like go find it yourself and then you'll be as happy as I am is not actually that helpful to the majority of a society. And I think the idea of norms, whether it's gender norms or other norms, is to have a sort of, what would I call it? A, A shortcut, a schema that is available to the majority of people who can use it in a way that's helpful as they see fit Hopefully, as they grow older and gain more experience in the world, being men or women or whatever, uh, they can then begin to sort of conform that norm to themselves, make it fit them and also update it to be better moving forward. But to again, back to this empty field metaphor to be like, well, I was in the field and I found my way out. So you do it too. Peace. Good luck. Is. Just not a very helpful response. So I totally
2: agree. So I just want to be super clear, because I think this is a position that people often ascribe to people who think that gender is bad. When some of them hold it, but not all, and I do not. I love ideals, I love norms. I think norms and ideals are both really good things that we should strive to have. I just think that we should replace the norms that are currently operational with different norms. I mean, I'm a Kantian, I love really strict norms that nobody can violate. Like I think that moral norms govern like absolutely everything we do. I don't think there's any sphere of human existence that isn't norm governed or like beholden to ethics. I just think that gender norms in particular are bad for like a number of reasons that I've enumerated and could enumerate at greater length. They're particularly harder to satisfy than other kinds of norms like they're harder by design and i think that they're also just like more detrimental um so yeah i mean i don't i think that people should have ideals should have norms i just think that these norms these ideals in particular are not good so what's the path Wait, forward in well, the moment? so
0: so I, I you know we're i i do want to open it up to questions because i think we could keep going for a while here um uh, sam who's who's doing the microphone uh But, you know, as as you guys sort of think about uh, the questions you want to ask, I just want to sort of maybe throw in something I've said to you before, Christine, which is that like and it's something you just said as well. It's it it does feel like a lot of this question has to do with um, kind of luxury and it's the luxury of our society that's been broadly at peace and not at war for a very long time i think i said to you at one point it's like i'm pretty sure there's no crisis of masculinity in ukraine right now um and i mean in, insofar as that there is one it's that they you know they've lost 150,000 men and so they and they need more to lose to, in order to win this war and so you know we don't we don't deal with that anymore and so you know in a sense though i i I find myself actually quite sympathetic to what you're saying, Becca, in the sense that if peace were to go on, I do think this will work itself out and it'll work itself out in a, you know, basically uh, the economy is changing, you know, uh, different skill sets are uh, being uh, are required of this economy and different people share different skill sets. And, you know, as society changes, it goes in that way. But anyway, I just wanted to throw it out to, to questions. Um,
1: Tamir, do you think the solution to the crisis of masculinity is reinstituting the draft? That can be a yes/no. Go to
0: war. <laughs> didn't say that. Didn't say that. Who wants to go first? That's it for part one, dear listeners. There's a lot more where that came from. If you're not yet a paying subscriber, please head on over to wisdomofcrowds.live and become one. Help support our work. Hope to see you in the bonus.